Hey, thanks. How exciting is that, getting our own place? The amount of uh, just so many advantages to it. And I love the idea of the generations. It's just, uh, as, as you were saying, I was thinking, I wonder what, um, what this city, this region will be like in, in like, you know, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. As you look at different suburbs, how they've changed over the decades. I wonder what um, this northwest corridor will look like. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, kicking off uh, uh, Timothy. Timothy is like my favourite... Oh, I don't know why I say that. Everything, everything I ever read, oh, this is my favourite. Uh, but I love, I love Paul's letters to Timothy because Timothy was a young guy when he uh, was, was in ministry and he was put in a position of extreme responsibility as a young guy. And I really identify with him because I, when I started... Uh, when I was fir- first came on as a pastor and uh, when Pastor Malcolm asked me to take over this church, he was, he was actually a lot in, in the situation that t- uh, Paul and Timothy were in where uh, he was like the, the, the oversight but he had me in there doing a lot of the things. I was only 27 years old when I, um, when I was the pastor, when I first started pastoring this church. And so I used to really look to Timothy as, hey, uh, this guy, he lives in my world. He understands it. So I've always had that connection with this, these letters. And um, so when, when, um, when Melissa said, oh, we're, we're doing a series on Timothy, I was like, yes, I want to jump at that. Um, and I want us to, uh, there's different ways that we, we go through a book. We can either go through it verse by verse or letter, you know, um, but what I want to do really is I want to take it through. Uh, there's a particular theme I want to draw out of the first uh, few uh, chapters of Timothy. And what, what I want to start with is to really understand the context of, of, the, of Timothy. We've got Paul is writing 1 Timothy from prison. He's, um, he's done amazing things. He's achieved amazing things. His ministry is stretched across the known world. He's... Uh, he's extended the gospel in so many different ways. He's actually raised Timothy up to his position in ministry and, and, and discipled him on his journey and trained him as a leader. And now Paul's in prison for preaching the gospel and he's concerned about the church that Timothy is, uh, is in charge of, the, the, the actual group of churches really uh, that he's in charge of. Um, and so he, he's written this letter to Timothy and, and as he's written the letter Timothy's receiving this letter as and it will, I'll, I'll start I'll, I'll read the first few verses and then this will help give it a tiny bit of clarity Paul uh, an apostle of Christ by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope to Timothy my true son in the faith grace mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord to Timothy my true son in the faith so Timothy's receiving this letter to someone he looks, from someone he looks to as his true spiritual father. He's receiving it from somebody who's earned the right to speak into his life. He's receiving it from somebody who's achieved amazing things. And I expect Timothy would look up to this guy tremendously and in some way hope to emulate what what, what Paul's achieved. And obviously I'm I'm sure Timothy was mature enough to know he wasn't Paul and that he wasn't going to do exactly what Paul did, but I expect he was inspired by the scope of what Paul achieved and uh, the sphere of his ministry, and that Timothy would have hoped in his own way to, uh, to, to, to be as effective as his mentor, his father in the faith was. So this guy, Paul, has he's earned the right to speak into Timothy's life. And he's writing this letter, so 
Timothy is receiving this letter not as perhaps we would receive this the scripture. And, and, I, and I don't mean to put it like this, but perhaps a little flippantly or perhaps a little bit, okay, you will see what it says. Um, even when I read a book, uh, and I, I can't urge you strongly enough to be reading. We're, we're so, we need to be reading. If this is the one spiritual meal you have a week, uh, then you're going to have some malnutrition issues. We need to be reading. We, we're through books. We have the opportunity to have some of the most amazing men and women of God through history speak to us. And, and so, but as we read them, we re- read them often, often and it'll be like, well, I don't necessarily agree with that bit, but this is really good. This sort of, I'm not too sure. Uh, but, but when Timothy's received this letter, he's received it in such a way that he's understanding that this is his father in the faith. This guy, what he says is shaping Timothy's opinions. And as Timothy's reading this, we know, we can understand even from the next letter that Timothy gets, where it's explaining that the, the, uh, that, that the scripture is, that is being written is actually God-ordained, God-inspired, God-breathed. We, we can understand that Timothy is reading this, and wherever there's a, uh, a difference in his current thinking and the letter, he's now changing his thinking to the letter. The letter is shaping his mind. He's, he, he's, uh, got, Paul has such a position in Timothy's life to... Uh, where, where Timothy is like, okay, I've always thought this, but now you're saying that, o- okay, then I- I'm taking that on board and receiving that and changing my thinking to think how Paul's instructing. So as we keep going, and, and Paul, like the reason that Paul wrote this letter, there's it, it it a whole lot of stuff on, on, on how to do church and how to do life and how to do uh, live in a successful Christian life, but the, there's an actual purpose for the letter. It's like, you know how you ring someone for a thing, but then you have a conversation about a bunch of stuff. This is like that. He um, says, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, to uh, stay there in Ephesus. So we underst- we've read the book, a lot of us, we've actually uh, uh, gone through the book of Ephesians. That This is the church that Timothy is heading. This is the church that Timothy is the overseer of, the, the, the group of churches in Ephesus. He's saying here, Stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to, to myths and endless genealogies. Such, uh, such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. Some have departed from these things and have turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they know nothing. They do not know what they are talking about or what they so confidently affirm. So Paul's saying here, He's reiterating the purpose that Timothy's he's been established in leadership in Ephesus. He's there as in a position to basically some stuff was off, and he said, "Timothy, get in there and make it right." And I can imagine some of these conversations. So you've got these people who are self-willed. They saying here they want to be teachers. They want to be teachers, and we're going to touch on that in a moment because we're going to jump across to Timothy, 1 Timothy 3, where it, it starts to outline that, and it says, it's, hey, it's a great thing if you want to be a teacher. It's cool. It's great. If you've got a call or you're feeling a call to ministry, that's excellent. It's amazing. But, it, but it's saying here that some people, they want to do it, but they're not up for it yet. You know, it, it's, but he says here that so you, what I want you to do is to straighten things out, to keep... Uh, the doctrine solid, this doctrine that I've taught you solid, uh, 
Timothy was well versed in the Old Testament, and he, and he had and the New Testament was being written. Imagine getting a letter and like this thing is going to be canon. This thing is going to go through time and and just shape thousands and thousands and millions of lives. Be part of the best selling book of all time, the most stolen book of all time. <laughs> you know, it just but as he's so he, he this guy is is put in this position, and it's saying here that the. Uh, verse 5 says, The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere, sincere faith. So Timothy is asked to straighten some guys out. Some guys who are leaders in the church. Some guys who are uh, strong opinions, strong-minded, strong-willed, a lot of influence. Enough influence for Paul to be concerned and saying, Hey, I've got to get my main guy in there to adjust some stuff. And we can understand, and we, we actually go on and we read, as we jump to the very end of, of chapter 1, I'll, I'll show you, he's talking about another guy that Paul straightened out, and I'll, I'll explain something here. It says, uh, to Timothy, my son, this is 18, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies made about you, so that you, uh, but anyway, we go down to verse 20, he's just talking about adjusting these guys. Among them are Hymenaeus. And Alexander, who I've handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. He's like, this is some heavy-handed stuff. But Paul's saying the, uh, in verse 5, it says, The goal of this command is love. The goal of this command is love. So Paul's saying, hey, straighten these guys out. I'm actually handed this guy over to, be, over to Satan to teach him a lesson. But my goal is love. And, and often I've, I, in leadership and in, even as a parent, we have to deliver a, a fair message and we wonder about, well, is it like, is it Christ-like? Is it, and, and, and as a pastor, I've been accused at different points of, well, that's not the truth in love. Well, you, you got to say it, but you got to say it nicely. Hey, you know what? I tell my kids to eat their vegetables. First time's nice. Second time, nicer, not nicer, less nice. Sometimes you're dropping the hammer and do you know why? Like, do I, I'm not giving them these vegetables because I don't want the broccoli to rot and I've spent good money and I'm like, no, no, it's because I love these kids. And it's so important to me that they eat their vegetables, that they get their nutrition. And if at first they don't hear the message, they don't receive the message, then I have a responsibility as a parent to insist that they eat those vegetables. It, it's, it would be amiss of me, I would be a bad parent Okay, little Johnny. Pastor Malcolm loves little Johnny. You should go to his solutions because we hear all about little Johnny. All right, little Johnny. You don't like to eat your broccoli. Ooh, eat it, please. And, 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 okay, you don't want it. That's okay. Hey, that's not love. That's not love. That's lazy. That's poor parenting. That is poor leadership. And so what I found is that in, like, as Paul's correct commanded Timothy to command these guys certain things. Even though the motive is love, sometimes it's told to command. Command's not like a tread gently eggshells business, is it? Command. And so Timothy at this point is, is asked to drop some, to, to be quite strong with these people. And the reason that it is, he's asked to be so severe or so strong is because these people are teaching things and influencing others. And taking out other people. So we can, under, we can only imagine that motivated by love, Timothy would have been extremely determined and deliberate and intentional 
with his instruction to these guys. Now, I guarantee you 100% that civil conversations happened before this. That they, they happened before this. There, there would have been conversations. These guys would have been taught sound doctrine. These guys would have been brought up and, and taught the right th- how to go about things. But they, and, and other passages uh, corroborate this, their, their, their motives are off. So they want to be doing things their way. And at a certain point, a leader has to be able to command people do things a certain way. And this young guy, Timothy, he's young. This is in a culture where age has a massive amount of respect. And young people are looked down on because they haven't earned their stripes, so to speak. And Paul's got this young guy in place and he's saying, hey, Timothy... There's a place in Timothy where he actually says, "Guy, he says, don't let people look down on you because you're young. And he's like, I understand that the, the cultural context of your situation, but right now I need you to step up. And, and he's given him this, this firm word, but he, and the motive is love. The motive is love. And I think as disciples, we need to be able to hear what our leaders are saying and sometimes it's not going to come across with strawberries and butterflies sugar on top and sometimes it's going to be quite firm and, and as somebody who has had the privilege of, of being raised up under an amazing man of God Pastor Malcolm who has achieved a lot I can tell you that not all of his discipleship to me has been gentle because sometimes gentle doesn't cut it <laughs> no you don't understand like determined people are the worst because we lock in and we're hard-headed and we need to be hard-headed you need to be hard-headed because hard heads are required for breakthrough but the problem is is that hard heads are required uh, are more difficult to break through it, it works both ways but and, and i've had some of the most difficult painful conversations i've ever had in my life with pastor malcolm challenging me saying hey jacob this this and this and I can promise you that wasn't the first time he's addressed me on those points. But I've gone away not thinking, oh, he loves me so much. <laughs> I've gone away just, ouch, ouch, ouch. Not my favorite person in the world, but knowing what he said was right and knowing that I hadn't done what he'd said the first few times and actually having to go and apologize later. And, say, and, and what we need to be at a point where we're not so precious that we, uh, everyone has to speak to us in the right tone with the right pronunciation and everything's got to be just so before we will receive it. Because I guarantee you that your parents, if they were good parents, did tell you to eat your vegetables nicely the first few times. Then threats were involved. Smacks were... (laughs) the removal of dessert, all these horrible, horrible consequences. And, and, and we've got to understand that that's done in love. That is the truth in love. The truth in love is what is necessary at the time. Because I love you. Because I believe the best in you. Because I believe the best in my people, my friends, the people that are in my, that I've been given a charge to protect and disciple and cover. And, and, and at this point, it, Timothy's, got this command from Paul to be really really strong and firm with this group 
but the motive is love. And I just think that uh, as disciples, we need to set ourselves in a place where it's like, you know what? I'm submitting to the person that God has put in my life to speak into my life. Timothy, I believe, was promoted to such a position because he had that mindset, because he had demonstrated that he was somebody who would be listening and to the covering that God had put in his life. And God says, yeah, here's somebody that understands authority. There's somebody that I can promote. Even though he's younger than everybody here, I'm putting him in charge because he's a man under authority. He's a man who listens. He's a man who receives. He's a man who does what he's asked to do. So even though he's not first in line, I'm promoting him. Even though he's not the one that the people would pick, I'm promoting him. And and I think so strongly, guys, that the way we receive our leadership, and for children, that's your parents. Uh, In in church, that's our pastors and our leaders. Uh, In the workplace, that's our bosses. Uh, And and as uh, we go on, we can understand here in uh, chapter 2 opens up, that's our government. Um, and and we'll go there in a moment. But that's the first, the really, my first takeaway from Timothy is the motive is love. Sometimes it's the hand is heavy. Sometimes it is. And to understand it, for those of us who are parents, think of the broccoli. For those of us who are kids, remember the broccoli. Brussels sprouts, because I quite like broccoli quite like Brussels sprouts as well. When I was a kid, it was scrambled egg. And we didn't have much money, so scrambled egg was like easy and cheap, and that was nasty. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I still have, fl- I like it now, but every now and again, I'll have these wicked flashbacks. <laughs> you didn't need to know that. <laughs> okay, now I want us to move, we're, just, we're, we're moving further through Tim- uh, Timothy 1. Uh, Paul, Paul's uh, I want to jump down to 18 and then we're going to go back to 12 because why not Timothy my son I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them you may fight the battle well holding on to faith and a good conscience which some have rejected and have suffered shipwreck and have so uh, suffered shipwreck uh, with regard to the faith and then among them are Hymenius and Alexander, whom the guys we spoke about earlier. Paul speaking to Timothy, saying, My son, I'm giving you this command. That was what we talk we spoke about, the command to lead this church uh, and to, to straighten to get people's to this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience so that you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith. You don't write someone a letter and saying, hey, I'm writing you this. Remember what's been said about you. Hold on tight, hold strong, stand firm. Timothy, Paul's writing this letter to Timothy because he knows where this guy's at. He knows that this guy is discouraged. He knows that this guy is facing obstacles that he doesn't feel up for. The the letters to Timothy are some of the best 
the best passages on us dealing with fear. There's some of the best passages on us dealing with in, uh, feeling inadequate. There's some of the, the most important scriptural scriptures about us taking the step we need to take past where we believe we can go. And that this letter is is written with such uh, an, an insight into that and, and an awareness that Timothy is in this place of need. And he's saying to Timothy, hey, remember the prophecies made about you. Remember the prophecies. He's saying, you need to, as, for me, as a young, as a new believer, I, I had people speak into my life, men and women of God that say, hey, I can see God's got something for you. God's got something special for you. And as I would read the Bible, I would, I would, I would get that sense, hey, God's got something amazing for me. There's things that I'm supposed to do in, in, in the world. There's things for the kingdom that I'm supposed to achieve. I have a destiny to fulfill. Uh, there's that, such a strong prophetic sense that there's things in my future. And I know I'm not alone. I've not spoken to one person who hasn't, ha, uh, hasn't recognized that internal something that there's got to be more, that there's something more. I've not met one person that hasn't had that awareness that there's something more for me. If you've been in this church long and came up longer than, oh, I don't know how long, whatever. If you've ever come up for prayer here before, you will have had somebody pray for you and there's a good chance that they spoke into your life, that the Holy Spirit enlightened something about you to them and they spoke something into your life. For those of us that have been... Uh, been, been around at been to conferences perhaps or to different churches or had visiting ministers or just friends in the faith pray for us at different points, we would have had that prophetic insight spoken into us. Hey, you are supposed to do something significant. Hey, you've got something special about you. Uh, you've got, God has a plan for your life and that awareness of that. And, and here Paul's saying to Timothy, Timothy, you need to keep that alive. You need to be bringing that to the front of your mind. You, you have to be. And where I was at before, before I said we're going to jump down to verse 18, at verse 12, Paul's saying, he starts by telling about his background. He's saying, hey guys, I was the worst of the worst. I was a murderer. I was a liar. I was a blasphemer. And he basically gave this list of things that disqualified him, that where, where Paul was so soundly disqualified. He says, I thank Christ uh, who's given me strength that he's considered me trustworthy and appointed me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and, unbel and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me. And, and here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the worst. Uh, but for that reason, for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in, in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. So Paul's, before Paul's encouraged Timothy to say, hey, mate, you've got to remember the words spoken over you. You've got to remember that prophetic drawing that you have, that unction, that understanding, that, that word from God that, that, you have, that he has a plan for your life, that he wants to do something amazing with your life. Before he's done that, he said, hey, you know what? I've achieved a bit in my life. But if there was anybody who was supposed to, to, supposed to have not got there, it was me. If there's anybody who was disqualified from achieving something in God, it was me. And even standing here, I can tell you if there was anybody that was supposed to uh, be disqualified from achieving something in God, it's me. I'm, I'm somebody who grew up in a good home. I went to church as a kid. I knew God. And instead, I went off, on, I went off the rails and I, I lived in the world as 
as bad as someone can live in the world. The last year I passed in school was year eight. I've gone and made some stupid choices, affected people's lives horribly, absolutely rebelled against God. If there was anybody who's disqualified, it's me. (laughs) But what does Paul say? Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. For this very reason I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example. What he's saying is, Timothy, doesn't matter how inadequate you are. In fact, the more inadequate you are, this is a better chance for God to show off in you. So the more disqualified you are, the more qualified you are. (laughs) You have no excuse. Can I say that in love? You have no excuse. Get off your bum. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that here. You've got no excuse. You don't. You don't. And, and the scripture gets really severe about it. But I want us to start to... Uh, so we've got this guy that's receiving this word from Paul. And really, if we, uh, my, the takeaway that I want us to take away today is, is who are you letting speak into your life? Who, who are you letting speak into your life? Timothy has got this guy, Paul, who has earned the right to speak into his life who is in a position, a spiritual position of authority to speak into his life. Um, there's a, is a guy that, and as we go across to, oh, there's so much in Timothy. I, I had planned to go to chapter 2, but I would, I'm not, I, don't, I don't have time. We go to jump across to, to chapter 3, and he's saying, he, um, and chapter 3 is an outline, an outline for who can, who Who can speak into your life in a church context? It's, it's just a pure outline for it. it it's uh, qualification. My, mine's got little subheadings which make it easier for people like me. Qualifications for overseas and deacon, deacons. Um, and it's just a breakdown of, hey, this is, this is an outline for, for leaders in the church. This, this is, and it's a standard. This is a standard for, for leaders in the church. And for us, we've got different people in our lives. And... You do not want people speaking into your spiritual life that do not have spiritual runs on the board. And I, I, I gauge myself like this when the people that I let speak into my life. Firstly, I, I say, are they living a life that pleases God? You know, I, I, all the rest of it, the very first thing, are they living a life that pleases God, in my opinion, from my understanding, from what I can see, and particularly in alignment with Timothy, uh, second, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, but then I take it a step back, a step further, and I look at my life and their life. You know what? And one of the big questions I've got: What have they achieved in life? Do I want to end up where they are? Where they are? Because I promise you, if you're listening to their advice, there's only one place you can go, and that's not necessarily where they're saying; it's actually where they are. What's their marriage like? What's their ministry like? What's their business like? Why would I listen to you? And I'm not saying do it skeptically or rudely, but hey, these are the filters we push these things through. Do I want what you've got? Do, do some, some, of the, some of the people that I've heard give advice and tell us, oh, is it in love? It's in love. I can, I can say it, guys. It's, it says here that one of the things is that people must lead the household well. And no one's going to be doing it perfectly, so it's not like you've got to be some super 
no one's going to be doing it perfectly, but it says you've got to be leading it. And then it goes on and says, because how can someone lead the church if they can't lead the household? And some of the people that have, have, over the 10 years that I was the pastor here before, Melissa now gets to experience my problems. <laughs> uh, trying to tell me how the church needs to be run, I look at their life and I think, your life is awful. Who are you to tell anybody how to do anything? And some of the people are telling you, how you should do that. You're the most unhappy person I've ever met. Why would I do anything you're saying? Like, and I, don't, I wouldn't say this to their face, but this is what I'm thinking because I'm running it through a filter. Because I'm running it through a filter. I'm like, you know, I was taught by a very wise man. He said, you listen to what they've got to say, you don't have to do it. You listen politely, but you don't have to do it. And, but we, and, and this is the thing is we've got to be so careful who we allow to speak into our lives. We have to. Some of the people that are speaking into our lives aren't where we want to go. So why would you listen to them? Some of the people that will, some of the loudest voices, and I find this fascinating, the reason that Paul's written this letter, the reason that Paul sent Timothy in the first place, and then now he's written a letter to reiterate what he sent him there for, was because the loudest voices are saying the wrong things. The loudest voices are saying the wrong things. And he's saying, you've got to straighten these loud voices out. And I'm not saying, hey, you need to tell everybody all their business and to be quiet. That's not your position necessarily. And If you're a leader in God's church, it's your position. If you're a parent in your family, it's your position. If you're a boss in your workplace, it's your position. But it's not something we don't shoot our mouths off to everybody. But there is a time where we need to speak up in love. But as believers, as brothers and sisters, as people who are doing life, we have such a... You have your destiny riding on this, guys. You have the outcome of your very life riding on who you're taking advice from. And I just, can, I just cannot urge you strongly enough to be so cautious of the people you allow into your life and, then, and that you're allowed to speak into your life. I, I can't because your you, will, you will miss your destiny. What I find fascinating here is Paul has outlined this as Paul was speaking to Timothy, he's saying, hey, I've disqualified myself on every front, yet God's qualified me. And then he says, Timothy, I need you to stand up. I need you to remember where you've been, uh, what you've been called to. You need to do that. But then he goes on and Paul says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, thanksgiving be made for all people, to kings, uh, for kings, and all those in authority, that we may live peaceable and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This pleases God our Savior. Paul is in prison. Nero was the emperor. For those that don't know, Nero was a psychopath. He burnt down half of Rome because he was crazy. I think it was like lead in the pipes or something. He was crazy. Absolutely demonic. And Paul, this guy's had Paul put in prison. And Paul's saying, hey, pray for him, man. Pray for this guy, bless him. Paul's in jail under a psychopath. And he's like, that guy cannot stop my destiny. He wrote half, half of the letters he wrote were from prison. He's influenced time from jail. No one could stop him. No one could stop him except the people that you listen to. The only thing that can derail you is if you're listening to the wrong people. If you're getting the wrong messages, you're applying the wrong things to your life. There's nothing else can stop you. Nothing. 
This isn't something we can take lightly, guys. Paul earned the right to write First and Second Timothy. He earned that right. Well before he met Timothy, he was putting runs on the board. He was, earn, he was learning about God. He was making his mistakes. He was correcting them. He was being discipled. He was uh, stepping out in faith time and time again. He's come across Timothy. He's identified a man that he saw something in, and he's lifted him up, and he's encouraged him, and he's brought him alongside, and he's included him in his ministry. He's earned the right to write these letters. And then he's telling this guy, hey, the stuff I've taught you, now you need to teach others. The way I've taught you, you need to teach others. We, we can't be lackadaisical about who we let speak into our life. We can't. We cannot afford that. One of the things that I've learned is that life is short. Even if you live to a good old age, it's not long. Like I'm 38 now, so realistically, if I sort of nudge 80, that's half. It doesn't feel like half. It feels just like a tiny bit, like... I want to tell myself, oh, it's just only been about a year, two years, and then the rest will. But that's not, the truth of it is, is life is short. Who you listen to will determine your outcomes. Proverbs puts it like this. It says that uh, in 1320, it says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. It's not mucking around. And as we continue through the letters to, to Timothy, let's like feel the weight of the man. You've got to understand this. Paul's letters to Timothy were not written to you. They are written to Timothy. For you, to Timothy. Let's feel the weight and the respect that Timothy would have had for Paul. The, the, the influence that he earned in his life. The right that he had to speak into his life the grace that he had to speak into his life, the anointing that he had to speak into his life. It wasn't because he was born into a special family. It wasn't because it was because God chose him to speak into his life. When we read these letters, let's be reading it from that perspective and even giving it that right to speak into our lives. Amen? I want us to sing a song, that last song we sang, because... Paul spoke so harshly, not harshly, but very directly to Timothy. He said, remember the prophetic words spoken over your life. Remember what we prayed for you. Remember what you believed in faith. Remember that moment when you heard God speak. Hold on to it. We, the last song we sang was, I believe that God will do it again. It's like, when is it going to happen? I don't know. And, and sometimes, man, we know that we're called to certain things. We know we're called to a ministry. We know we're called to be a husband or a wife. We know we're called to have kids. We know these things. And where is it? Where's my miracle? Why is my business not breaking through? Why is my marriage still on? Where is my kids? Why are they still on drugs? What? And, and all we have to stand on is, is, a, is a knowing that I was promised by God the breakthrough here. So I want us to stand and we're going to sing this song.